We've been looking at um, the promises of God, how God just wants to bless you, how he has so much blessing available for you and he wants you to walk in it. Well, this morning I just wanted to talk about a couple of things that might actually stop us entering into those promises because we know the promises are for us. That's definitely true. We, we talked about how Jesus Christ became a curse so that the blessings of Abraham could come upon us. We are now under that same promise that Abraham had because we've been grafted into the vine or, or God's decided that through Abraham he would even bless the Gentiles, those that aren't Jews. That's us. God wants to bless us. And one of the things I was, I was talking about, I said it's really hard for us to believe that, that God actually wants to bless us, especially when we've grown up in a world that, that really focuses on how we earn everything. We earn everything. Now, there is some truth in that in our Christian walk, which is a little bit what I'm going to talk about today, that we have to make some sort of effort. But the effort is not in trying to make ourselves right with God because we can only do that through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And how oftentimes we think we've disqualified ourselves from God's love, we've disqualified ourselves from his blessings because of our sin and that God now wants to actually curse us. And that's where the problem comes in. That's when we start to think, God just wants me to be sick. God, you know, I've done this little thing wrong. All of my life I'm following God the best I can, but I've just done something wrong. And now I'm sick and I'm starting to search for why has God done this to me. And what we're doing is starting to get a really strange belief system that God is actually out to get us, yet... This same God who's out to get us said that while you were sinners, while you weren't my friends, I gave Jesus Christ for your life. Think about that. You weren't his friend. You weren't even his child. And and, and this is the amazing thing. He has adopted us into his family. We're now children. Yet while we weren't children, while we were sinners, while we were far off, it says... He sent Jesus Christ when we were his what? Enemies. Now, when we read about the blessing of Abraham, it it comes through Christ. It comes through Christ. And that's the blessing that we have, that that even though we were sinners, even though we'd done things wrong, even though our life wasn't right, even though our relationship with God was broken, God wanted to bless us so much that he had to provide a way for that blessing to come that was not dependent on us. Because the blessing would never come if it was. It couldn't. You're just not good enough, sorry to say, but you're just not. I'm just not good enough. Because it, cause remember how when we went to look at the curse of the law? That was in Deuteronomy 28. It's talked about if you obey everything that's written in this book. And the, and the fact is, not, not one of us has ever obeyed everything in that book, have we? Every single one of us at some, some stage of our life, probably this morning, <laughs> has done something that, that we'd have to say, well, if I have to obey everything that God's wanting of me, then I've just failed again. And so God can't bless me. Now the curses are on me. But the good thing is that God sees us in Jesus Christ, who is the righteous one, and he is the one who fulfilled everything in the law. He never did anything wrong. He was innocent. When they led him to die, the Bible talks about it like a lamb to the slaughter. 
an innocent lamb, done nothing wrong. And even Pilate, you know, when he's washing his hands, he's saying, look, I can't find any fault in this guy. But if you want to crucify him, you go ahead. Jesus Christ is our salvation. That is pretty awesome, isn't it? And I want you to really think about that this year because if your salvation relies on Jesus Christ, that's a good thing. It doesn't rely on you, but it does rely on faith in him. And even though the promises are for us, so many times we forfeit the promises and God gave us some amazing examples and we're going to read about it in um, 1 Corinthians 10 shortly about why the Israelites didn't enter into the promised land. Okay. I'll just give you two little verses to write down and you can think about these later. I don't want to read these whole passages, but in Hebrews 10... Verse 36, it says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that is promised. Okay. We need the promises of God in our life, don't we? Each and every one of us needs to see the promises fulfilled in our life. When we look at the blessings that that were written in Deuteronomy 28, basically we could put it down to this, you can't escape God's blessing. If he's decided to bless you, you can't escape it. Why? Because it says you'll be blessed in the fields, in the house, in the country, in the cities, going in, going out. Your kids will be blessed. Your livestock will be blessed. Your kitchen will be blessed. Your food will be blessed. The the increase of your produce will be blessed. You'll have lots of kids. There's lots of blessing. And if you want to sum that up, it's basically this. You can't escape it. God's blessing is for you if you're in Christ because the promise of Abraham has come upon you if you're in Christ. Now, any of us who have received Jesus Christ and remain in him and and put our faith in him continually have access to those promises, but we actually have to pursue them as well. Just as God has given us the promises and they pursue us, we have to live our life in a way that will allow those promises come to pass. Again, going back to that story of the prodigal son, The father loved him. He was in a far-off land doing the wrong thing. The father's love was towards him. The father's desire was to bless him, but he couldn't. He was still his son. The blessing was there waiting for him, and as soon as he came home, what happened? Blessing. It actually came in its physical way. So that was Hebrews 10.36. To get the promises, we need patient endurance. We need to know that we have to keep going. Because we've got to change a whole lot of things in our life. We've got to change our mindset. We've got to change how we think and how we behave. So patient endurance that we will get God's promises. Hebrews 3.19. Another reason that, that the Israelites weren't able to enter into the rest of God, so we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Unbelief. And I think this is probably the biggest challenge that we do have. We just don't believe God. We just don't really think that the blessings are for us. We don't really think that he wants to work for us. Now, if we don't have a confidence in what God wants to do, how can we possibly obtain that promise? How can we obtain what God has for us, that rest, that Christian rest that we should have? where your life is not turmoil all the time. There's this peace that comes from God. 
And Jesus talks about it as a peace that passes understanding. It's like you can't even understand it. Why am I so peaceful? Because everything around me is so messy, but God's peace is flowing. That's a good blessing. Joy. Why am I so joyful when really circumstances aren't saying that I should be? Do you know the things that we see are changeable? Whatever I can see is changeable. My sickness is changeable. My, my grief is changeable. The things of this world are changeable. Why? Because they're temporal. They're, they're earthly and they're subject to change. But God says the things that I have for you are unchangeable. They do not change. And you are to start to set your mind on heavenly things, not earthly things. Why? Because heavenly things do not change. The promises of God are real. They are yes and they are amen in Jesus Christ. And this is where we're starting to receive the promises. So we see in Hebrews 3.10, it talks about not entering into a rest because of unbelief. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. And there's a fair bit here, Oz. We'll just read it all. We can do that, eh? We'll be starting at verse 1. Because you know where our unbelief has played out in many times? Our behaviour. The way we act shows us where our heart truly is. Obedience is actually a sign that we believe. Does that make sense? Probably not. But we'll go through it in 1 Corinthians 10. Because there's written here some things about the Israelites wandering through the desert and why they didn't enter into God's rest. In fact, it says that a lot of them perished in the wilderness. And we're going to talk about a couple of things, about being in the family of God or being baptised into Christianity. We're going to talk about the spiritual food. We're going to talk about the spiritual water, which is Christ. And I just want to ask you this. Are you in a place in your Christianity that you are content with walking out of your sin, in other words, having salvation, Jesus saved me, and living in that part of your life forever. Because when we start to read this example, you'll see that the Israelites had this chance to enter into the promised land, which is the same as us entering into the promises of God, the things that he has for us, but they didn't. And as a family, as a church family this year, I would love us to walk into the promises of God. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love for us to be the ones that bless because Abraham's blessing was to bless the nations. As a church, don't you want to bless this city? Don't you want to bless Howard Springs? Don't you want to bless Humpty Doo, Virginia, Darwin, Palmerston, Bees Creek? Don't you want to be that blessing that God can bless others with? Because when we start to have the attitude that that the blessing we have from God is to bless others, it starts to open up a new way for God because why? His word says that if you give, it shall be given. There's going to be such amazing blessing flowing through your life because you're starting to give out of that blessing. You're going to start to give to people. 
You're going to start to be kind to people. You're going to start to see them differently because as we understand God's blessing coming upon us, we will start to bless this community. And hopefully God's blessing will then start to come upon them as well. But if we just get saved and that's it, what's the point? Seriously. This example that we're going to read is all about that. You know that the Israelites wandered so many years in the wilderness and they all died off because they didn't enter into the promised land and God gave them opportunity. They didn't fight for what was theirs and and that's the difference. You see, when Joshua entered the promised land, there was battles to be fought, there was fights to be won. And if we want to obtain the blessings of God, it means we're going to have to start to get that tenacious attitude like we said that Jacob had where he's going to hold on and say, no, you are going to bless me before you go. What do we want? Do we want to see the promises of God? Because it's going to take a mind shift and an attitude shift to go after the promises as well. To say, I'm not going to rest until I work out how I get them. I'm not going to rest until I see this promise of God that he's promised me enacted in my life. So I'm not going to rest and just say, oh, well, my kids are lost. I can't do anything. No, I'm going to get into the Word of God. And I'm going to read the Bible verses that say, if I bring my kids up in the way of God, they will not depart from it. And I'm going to pursue that promise. And I'm going to say, God, this is from you to me. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to make it my life's mission to see the things that you want for my life come to pass. Grabbing hold of the promises, whatever they are. Grabbing hold of them and not ceasing to pursue them. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptised as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that travelled with them and that rock was Christ. Number one, think of this as a picture of the church. Just as Israel went out and they went through that, the waters of the Red Sea, what the Bible talks about is that they were baptised to Moses. In other words, now they were following Moses. They were part of that crowd. Us here are being baptised in water. It's the same thing. God has said, I'm now baptised you into a family. There's now a separation from Egypt, which represents our old life, to the new life. But guess what? The wilderness is not the promised land. Your Christianity is not meant to stop there. Let's keep reading. In the cloud and in the sea they were baptised. They ate the same spiritual food. What's our spiritual food? What's our spiritual water? The blood, the body of Christ. We've all partaken of that. We've said, hey, listen, Jesus, I understand what you've done. When we took communion today, you're not just saying this is what Jesus did. You're saying, I'm actually part of this. 
I'm actually part of this. I am actually dead. The Bible says you died with Christ. You see, when we remember what Christ has done, it's not just about, oh, he did that. There's such a more significance to us say, to say to ourselves, I died. I died with Christ. And it's important because when you die with Christ, that's when your passions, it says your lusts, they died with you. And he was raised to life. You were risen with Christ, the Bible says. That's important too. When they were travelling, they had the fire and they had the cloud. These are good things, right? They had the manna in the wilderness. So, so they would wake up every morning, there was provision of food. But you see, that's not the promise. That's not the promise. Fire, comfort, the cloud, protection and shelter, the manna, food, the water, provision. I want us to start to really think about that in our Christian lives as well. They're good things, aren't they? Provision, food and water, shelter, Warmth, they're all wonderful. And there's that sense when we get saved, when we decide to give our lives to Jesus Christ, that so many of those things come in. You know that, that cleansing feeling? I don't know, like it might be a long time ago that you had it, but, but you got forgiven. And on that day that you confessed your sin to Jesus Christ and said, I'm going to follow you from now on, you just felt good. It's like, wow, it's like the weight's been lifted off me. I just feel the comfort of God in my life. I even feel that protection, that warmth. There's, there's something about the love of God burning inside of me. It feels good. And you see your needs start to be met. You know, there, there's things that happen in your life. All of a sudden a promotion opens up or a job or, or something amazing happens and you're saying, wow, this is really good. Let's keep going. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some, as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and they were destroyed by the angel of death. These happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. We'll just sort of review that a little bit. There's, there's obviously a lot of stuff in that we're not going to get into today. But listen, all these things happened as they wandered in the wilderness, as they, as, as they separated themselves from their old life, but there's still that yearning at times to go back because they weren't actually looking towards the promises. In fact, when they came to that, the edge of the Jordan River the first time, 
they refused to enter into what God had for them. They stood at the edge of the river and as the spies came back and they received the report, it was like this, they're giants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and so we were in our own eyes. Two people, Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go and do it. Let's take this land. Let's get the promises of God. But there's overwhelming complaint against it and mumbling and groaning and, and murmuring. And so they missed out. And they were, they were sentenced basically to wander around not receiving what God really had for them. And I just wonder sometimes if that's what we do. You see, God says that he has no delight in those that shrink back in fear. Are we afraid to grab hold of what God has for us? Is it because fear has has destroyed our faith, our belief in God that we don't go after what God has for us? Are there times in our life when you've stood on that, that river and you've looked across and you've said, I need to enter into that place. I need to enter into that place of prayer. I need to enter into that, that place of worship. I need to enter into that place of believing for God, but I'm so afraid it won't happen that I'm going to shrink back and I'm just going to rest in the fact that God loves me. I'm just going to rest in the fact that God saved me. I'm just going to rest in the peace. The problem with that is you start to just wander in that. The things of this world still seem to linger around. They seem to hold on to you because you're not actually pursuing and going forward in the things of God. All you're doing is sitting and and stabilising and and the things of this world are still sort of on your mind because all you've got is the peace and the rest and you haven't actually entered into what God has. Some amazing things here. It says these are examples to us. Why these people didn't enter into the promises, idol worship, feasting and drinking, in other words, partying hard, putting God to the test, not really doing what he wants, sexual immorality, and that's, that's a big thing, isn't it? Really, when we think about it. Why are we going through these things? Because God put them in there for an example. Grumbling. Now, that's a big one. Hello? The angel of death came upon people that grumbled. What? (laughs) That's a bit scary. (laughs) Right? Any grumblers here? No. (laughs) I grumble sometimes. Now we understand as they were, they grumbled against God all the time. God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? God, this, God, that. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But when you start to read those things, we've got to understand that they actually stopped these people entering into the promises of God. Do you know that if you do all sorts of different things, you can. Seriously, you can. Paul talks about it and he says, you know what, you can do anything you want. Go for it, you're free. Do whatever you want. But then he said this, you can do everything but not all things are good for you. And we need to assess our lives and say, what's not good for me? What is it that's actually stopping me entering into God's promises, the rest that he has for me? 
and start to take account of that in our life. And we've got to flee away from the worship of idols. What are idols? Anything. Anything that puts itself in the place of God. In fact, even anything that is put up level with God is an idol. What is it in your life that you place before God? And idols can be all these things that we think aren't that important. My family could be my idol. I think more of my family than God. Leisure could be my idol. Money could be my idol. Immorality could be my idol. Where I'm not submitting that part of my life to God, if I'm not saying, God, what do you want? You first. It starts to elevate something above God. And when that happens, there's a stopping of the blessings for sure because we are out of his shelter and his comfort. We're out of his hand. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You're reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we're many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What am I, what am I trying to say? I'm saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. What I'm saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do everything, anything, but not everything is beneficial. I can't say it any better than that. <laughs> we've come together, and this morning we've even shared in that communion service, haven't we? We've shared in the cup, we've shared in the bread. We've said we're united together as one body. And to walk in those blessings that God wants us to walk in, there does have to be a reprioritizing of our life where we are saying, I will seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because when I do that, everything else is added. All those things that I put above God get added in the right way. You see, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with finance. There's nothing wrong with a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with celebrating. There's nothing wrong with having friends. Nothing wrong with having good family. There's nothing wrong with having leisure and having a good time. Nothing wrong with it at all. But when we place other things in the priority that it is underneath God, then we're forfeiting the blessing really. Because if it doesn't come from God, it's not blessed. The verse that says, you know, that 
Increase from God is a blessing. It adds no sorrow with it. It's so true. When it's from God, it has a blessing attached to it. And what God is saying, enter into the rest. What's the rest? It's faith. When you're not trying to pursue these things and get them, but you're letting God supply them. Isn't that a rest? Isn't that a rest? All the things that you need in life, whatever it is. When it's actually supplied from God, it's restful. Is that making sense? I feel like I'm not making too much sense. (laughs) How could I say it in a way that we can understand? We pursue God's blessing by faith. So the two reasons I didn't get them, one, unbelief and disobedience. We need faith and obedience to really walk fully in God's blessing. But when we have faith, we obey, right? Does that make sense? If I really believe, I'm going to obey. So they sort of go hand in hand. Now, how would I look at it? Can we start to think of everything as coming from God that we need? Every good and every perfect gift from him, okay? Let's look at it that way. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. Let's just say I want to buy a house and I make it my life's mission to pursue that dream. I'll sacrifice all sorts of things to get it. I'll sacrifice my peace. I'll sacrifice uh, my giving. I'll sacrifice my family just to get that house, because that is my whole desire, just to get that house. I get it. Where's the blessing with that? I've got a material thing, but I've lost my family. I've lost my friends. I've lost my heart of generosity. There's no blessing with that. But what about if I say, God, I'm going to let you help me. I'm going to walk in wisdom. I'm going to do the right things and and use my money the way you want. But I'm going to pursue you first and let, let it come to you. Let it come from you. I'm believing, God, that, that you can bring me to that place. So during that time, because I'm seeking God first, I'm loving my family. I'm being generous with my money. I'm being obedient to his word and, and, and saving for the future. But I'm saying, God, I want to work with your plan. I want it to be from you. When you get that house, what have you got? You've got a home. You haven't just got a building. You haven't got an empty house that, that's, that's caused you to lose friends and family, relationships. But you've got a home. And whatever it is in life that you need, if you seek God first and it comes from Him, there's a blessing with it because there's no compromise. There's, you haven't done anything comp- to compromise yourself, your faith or your beliefs to get it. God's done it. Marriage, young kids, don't compromise your values. We need to really be obedient to God. Do you want your blessing in your marriage? What does he want you to have? Thinking about it. The Bible says very clearly, don't be unequally yoked. Why? You see, when God asks us to do something, it's not actually to control us. It's to make our life a blessing to be blessed, to, to let his, his power work in it. Like 
can I have two people up here, just two people that can help me? Bob? <laughs> Bob and Paul. Throw your kid away. Just want to look at unequally yoked for a moment because this is important for us. Can you link arms, please? Okay. Bob, don't move yet. <laughs> I would like you to go over there and open that door. And Paul, I'd like you to go and open that door for me, please. Can you do that now? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, that's stop. Okay, wait. Link arms again. Bob and Paul. Could you please walk up the aisle to Ian and say hello together? <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Thank you guys for that demonstration. <laughs> what was the problem when they weren't going the same direction? They couldn't go anywhere, right? Now, it might be that Bob could overpower Paul or the other way around. I don't know which one would win. But either way, it's going to be really hard, isn't it? And you need to think with your marriage partner, with your business partner, with anybody you actually bind yourself to in that way where you link, what are your core values? Because down the road, you get married, you have kids. Does your husband want to bring him up in the way of the Lord? Does your wife want to bring him up in the way of the Lord? Yes, God can move. He's amazing and miraculous. But can you see how much easier it is when you're walking the same path, if you're yoked? If you're actually yoked together, when you're walking the same path, it becomes easy. Is that right? You can see that from that demonstration? Now you need to think about that in every area when you start to get in any partnership. What do they believe? What do I believe? Because God says this, so that your life will be blessed. You are blessed in the obedience. You're not cursed if you don't do it by God. You're just walking in what you've just walked yourself into. If God says something, it's for a good reason. Because you can see beyond today when you're just all in love and starry-eyed and everything's wonderful because you actually don't have to make a decision about your kids. You don't have to make a decision about your finances well, you know, I just want to give to God, but your husband's like, whoa, no, that's ridiculous. Why are you giving to the church? Why are you giving to support a child overseas? That's our money. We're working hard. It's for our retirement. Can you see how it can make it hard for you? When you obey God, when you listen to his words, the blessings just come naturally because obedience brings blessings. Not because God wants to curse you the other way, but because obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. Why? Because if God said it, he's the maker of everything, the author of everything, the, the king, he knows everything, and if he thinks that's the best way to go, do you know better than God? Probably not. <laughs> 